turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. 262 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. In other words, even though we've been working so hard, yet there's still so much to do. All we see is the debris around us. There's still so much rubbish. You mean we've been working so hard for a month and we're only halfway through? There's All we see is rubbish. See, they had lost sight of the big picture and they were bogged down in the details of the debris, the garbage around them, the stones that they had to, had to build. That's where some of us are at. That's where some of us are at. We're tired, we're exhausted, and as we go about our demanding jobs, all we see is the rubbish around us. It may not be literal dirt, but it's the details. It's the endless details of problems, and they look so big, bigger than they really are. As someone said, little piles of dirt begin to look like mountains. That's what it was with them. It's not always one massive monolithic obstacle that discourages us. It can get pretty dark when we are buried under a mountain of small challenges. That was the condition of the workers that Nehemiah was leading in the rebuilding of the wall surrounding Jerusalem. It's good to have you with us today for Verse by Verse and the continuation of Pastor Steve Kreloff's studies from the life of Nehemiah. Pastor Steve is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and these daily radio Bible classes are an extension of that teaching ministry. There is an ancient Greek legend in which a man noticed the famous storyteller Aesop playing games with some small boys. The man asked Aesop how he could waste his time in such frivolous activity. In response, Aesop picked up a nearby bow, removed the string, and placed the bow and string on the ground. Tell us what the bow implies, said Aesop to the man. After thinking about it a while, the man still had no idea what Aesop was trying to tell him, so he gave up. Aesop explained, if you keep a bow always bent, it will break eventually. But if you let it go slack, it will be more fit for use when you want it. We are much like that bow. We need rest. Jesus rested, and he also prescribed rest for his disciples after a lengthy period of ministry. Perhaps the ultimate example was the last day of creation in which God rested. Even though he never tires... He set the example for us because he knew we would need rest. If we do not follow that example, we set ourselves up for exhaustion and discouragement. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 14, we can see how tired the workers have become. Let's turn our Bibles there now and begin our lesson. Here's Pastor Steve. Now this is discouragement. 
This is discouragement. They once were excited. They once were enthused. They once tackled the job. Now they're saying, you know, there's so much garbage that we look at, all the debris. We're not strong. Our, our strength is failing. So between verses 6 and 10, something took place that changed their thinking from enthusiasm to discouragement. And you know what? We want to see this morning what it was. Because we want to see what Satan uses to discourage us. And more than that, how we can respond to discouragement, how we can respond to it so that you don't have to be discouraged. Do you know that? You don't have to be discouraged. Chuck Swindoll said it's like a disease that's hard to cure, but it's not impossible to cure, and it's really not a disease. So this morning, we want to look at it. We're going to look at, at several aspects of discouragement, but they come under two headings. Number one, the source of discouragement. Where does it come from? Why do I get it? And number two, the solution to discouragement. It's really a very easy outline to follow the source and the, the solution, but there are a lot of truths floating around in there that you have to digest. I'd encourage you to take notes and uh, write these things down and then most importantly, apply it to your own life. So we begin by looking at the source of discouragement. We're going to look at verses 7 and 8. Now, it came about when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the repairs of the walls of Jerusalem went on, meaning in spite of their ridicule, they went on, and that the breaches began to be closed. They were very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause a disturbance in it. When Samballot and Tobiah saw that their ridicule, the Jews had failed to stop the project, they came up with another tactic. And the tactic was this. They would join forces with other enemies of Israel and would intensify their opposition. And the tactic was to join forces with these enemies and they would surround the city of Jerusalem and they would physically attack the people and go to kill them. That's pretty drastic, but that's what they did. Now, before we look at this, I want to say there is a principle here, an important principle, just because you might respond to ridicule properly. And you say, look, I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm even going to pray for my enemies because that's what the Bible says to do. Uh, and I'm not going to defend myself. Don't think that because you respond properly that all the problems are going to go away. No, because behind opposition to a believer in Christ is Satan. Is Satan. And so, uh, don't think he's going to say, oh, I didn't realize you had such an arsenal to defend yourself, and uh, I'm going to give up now. No, he is very persistent, and he's going to intensify the efforts. Just expect it. And that's what happened here. The the battle plan was was this. The battle plan by Samballot was, was this. Samballot would attack from Samaria, which was in the north. He'd come down, attack Jerusalem. Tobiah the, and the Ammonites are coming from the from the east. They would attack from the east. Uh, just think of uh, if you know a map of Israel today, uh, the Jordan area, Ammon. That's why they get the term Ammonites. Uh, Ammonites would come from the from the east. Then you would have the Arabs who would come up from the south and the men from Ashdod would come from the west. That's a Philistine city. Uh, Ashdod would be what you hear today in the news about the Gaza Strip. That would be right near there, if not in it. It was a Philistine city. And so they would converge from every direction upon the, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. And that was their new tactic. It was the threat of violence. And you know what? It worked. The people were intimidated and they were afraid. Notice the beginning of verse 14. They were they were struck with fear. Because Nehemiah says, when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the people. 
Nehemiah saw that the, that fear was written all over their faces. I mean, you didn't have to be that bright to figure it out. They were intimidated. They were afraid. Now, at first glance, it might seem that the sole source of their discouragement was the threat of violence, was the outside pressure and the threat of dying. But you know what? I don't think that was the real source of discouragement because external things and circumstances are never the root cause or source of our discouragement. Never. If you think it is, you're going to miss the point. Because all of us have difficulties. All of us have pressures. All of us have things that disappoint us. All of us have things in life that we wish were going another way. And if you think uh, that it's just the external forces, then, then you are a slave to circumstances of life. That's not the way a Christian ought to live. That's really not the sole source of their discouragement, not even the root cause of their discouragement. I want you to notice what really caused them to want to quit. Because the reasons that they wanted to quit and, and were discouraged is the reasons why we give up today, at least in terms of principle. First of all, the people were tired. They were tired. They were exhausted. They had worked uh, night and day for about a month. And, and you know what? They were only halfway finished. That's very significant. Do you realize halfway into a project is probably the worst time? Probably the worst time. It is very common to be discouraged halfway through a project. Hey, how about this? You're building a new home. And you're excited at first. Think about halfway through. You wonder, why did I ever get into this? You want to clean out your garage. It's, it's a thrill to think I can get all this mess out and it'll be fine. But halfway through, somebody says, whoever came up with this bright idea? Halfway through. Hey, how about I could, I could tell you halfway through messages each week. Sometimes I think, what am I talking about? How did I get into this? I'm so involved in details, I don't even know the points of what I'm trying to say. Halfway through. And I can tell you by experience, halfway through a marathon, you're, you're wondering, uh, you are tired, and it's uh, 13.1 miles, and usually some bright person puts the sign up that says, halfway point. You know, no. Half, I've got, you mean I've got to do this all over again? Halfway through anything is an easy time to be discouraged. And these people were discouraged. They, uh, and on top of that, they face military threat now, the threat of, of their lives being taken. So in verse 9, we read, but we prayed to our God, and that's encouraging because it wasn't just I prayed to my God, it's now the people were praying with me. We prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. Now, Nehemiah did something about it. You know what he did? He took some workers who would have worked all day and he said, you got to work all day and also you got to take some shifts and you got to work at night, which means the workload of the, the working crew in the morning during the day was reduced more work for, for the people. And some of them had to work day and night. You know what? They were physically exhausted. Remember, there were, there were no fresh recruits. There are no new people coming in. They didn't say call in the National Guard and they'll relieve us and we can we can rest a little bit. They had no days off, uh, no long weekends. These people were just plain exhausted. They were physically and mentally fatigued. They were tired. They had been working hard. When when you get tired, it is easy to get discouraged. It, it's just a fact. 
sometimes people want to make a big spiritual issue out of it. And there is uh, a lot of uh, spiritual issues that that enter into being discouraged. But one of it is just a physical thing of being tired, because when you are tired, you cannot think clearly. Don't make any major decisions when you're too uh, emotionally up and when you are emotionally down, because you, you cannot see things clearly. You blow things out of proportion. That's exactly what they did. Notice verse 10. This is what they said in Judah. The strength of the burden, uh, burden bearers is failing. Now, those who carry the burden, we're, we're, we're failing. We're, we're tired. Yet there is much rubbish. That's, that's very significant. Yet there is much rubbish. Notice that word yet. In other words, even though we've been working so hard, yet there's still so much to do. All we see is the debris around us. There's still so much rubbish. You mean we've been working so hard for a month and we're only halfway through? There's All we see is rubbish. See, they had lost sight of the big picture and they were bogged down in the details of the debris, the garbage around them, the stones that they had to, had to build. That's where some of us are at. That's where some of us are at. We're tired, we're exhausted, and as we go about our demanding jobs, all we see is the rubbish around us. It may not be literal dirt, but it's the details. It's the endless details of problems, and they look so big, bigger than they really are. As someone said, little piles of dirt begin to look like mountains. That's what it was with them. And that's what it can be with us. Little things that, that when you get a little sleep, uh, don't seem that that significant. Become major. I, I know that. I know that. Monday Mondays are like that for me. Mondays are like that for me. Some of uh, of us are facing these mountains, and you're just overwhelmed. You're ready to give up. You're ready to give up. So let me give you some practical things on what to do. Um, you don't have to be too bright to figure this out, but you need some sleep. Get some sleep. Eat better. Eat with a uh, little nutrition in mind. Take some days off. Get away and, and get some sleep. Uh, that, that is ju- that's just sanctified common sense. That's just sanctified common sense. Some people don't have sanctified common sense. And they're going, going, going. You know what? Take a little time off. It's a great story in 1 Kings chapter 18 about Elijah. Elijah uh, experienced this. Elijah took on 450 prophets of of Baal. Remember, they went up to Mount Carmel and he challenged them about uh, whose God is going to send down fire from heaven and consume uh, the water, the altar around the altar and so forth. And uh, so all day long he was battling. It says from morning till evening he battled with them. Great emotional things. God sent down fire. Then then the Bible says that he uh, he didn't eat. He didn't eat and uh, emotionally high. And then he ran. He ran very fast. He, he ran. Uh, Ahab, the king, went in his chariots. But Elijah ran and he, and he ran ahead of him. And uh, then it said that Jezebel said, you tell Elijah when I catch him, I'm going to kill that man. And you know what? He emotionally crashed. He crashed. He went into the wilderness. He said, God, take my life. Take my life. I know he wasn't thinking clearly because if he really wanted to die, Jezebel would have helped him out. So he's not thinking clearly. It's just it's all crashing on him because he's exhausted. You know what God did for him? God made him sleep. He just laid down and he slept. And God fed him. And, you know, he got up. And uh, God caused him to sleep again and he fed him again. Oftentimes, that's all that we need. It's a little bit of sleep, eating a little better 
take some take some days off. So some of you are just too tired and, and you need to be better stewards of your body. You need to be better stewards of your body. And uh, you just need to, to take that for, for what it's worth. And uh, also, also you, you need to be aware of the natural tendency to give up big projects at the halfway point. You just need to be aware of that. That's half the battle right there. Why? Because the newness is worn off. It's now just a disciplined effort. That, that's what it is. A, a lot in the Christian life is just discipline. We don't always do things that we, what we feel like doing. If that was the case, then uh, we would just be led by our emotions. And that's where a lot of people are at. But the Bible speaks about discipline. So when the newness wears off, you just persevere. You just understand that everybody goes through this. Fatigue and boredom will be your enemies. Uh, somebody said this, Satan delights in uncompleted tasks, particularly ones that are spiritually productive. I've known many people who look at the Christian life and look at a ministry like a like a sprint and they just rush to it and they're excited for the first few weeks. And then you know what? It's just the reality sets in. It isn't always that exciting. It's just plugging ahead and they don't realize that the Christian life is more like a long distance race. It is not a sprint. And there are some people who start ministries and they quit ministries and then they go on, and they start something else and they quit that because when reality sets in, it isn't all fun. They just don't want to do it. They're halfway through and they give up. And Satan loves that. So be aware of that. So the first source of discouragement and their discouragement was sheer exhaustion, which turned little rubbish into big mountains. But there's a second source of their discouragement. Notice verse 11. And our enemy said, they will not know or see until we come upon them and kill them and put a stop to their work. Now, the enemy made it very clear that their intention was a surprise attack on Jerusalem. But I want you to look closely at verse 12. This is what the enemy was saying. And verse 12 says, and it came about when the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. There were Jewish settlers who lived out in the, the outskirts of Jerusalem. So they would come into work each day, but then they would go on the outskirts. We'd, we'd say like the suburbs today. And they would be near their enemies and they would hear their enemies talking. We're going to surprise surprise them. And the enemies probably wanted them to hear this. We're planning a surprise attack. They won't know what to do. We're going to come upon them and, and so forth. And then it says in verse 12 that they came back to the city and they told us 10 times, which I think is probably an idiomatic expression, which means many times they kept telling us they're going to surprise us. They're going to come upon us when we when we don't realize it. And uh, they, they were really what we would call prophets of doom and gloom, spreading alarm, demoralizing the people instead of faith saying, you know, but we're going to trust in our God instead of faith and having a positive attitude. They're just negative, negative, defeated people defeated already because they were so negative. Some of us are really discouraged because we hang around with people who feed us thoughts of hopelessness and despair. And if you hear that enough, you're going to start believing all that stuff. Oh, there, there's not much you can do. Oh, you got problems in your marriage? Well, I had problems and I got rid of the guy. You know, what are you going to do? Or uh, you got a problem uh, at your job? Yeah, well, I quit. I just quit. I, I mean, you just you feed on those negative thoughts. You become like that. 
You become demoralized. There's a doubt and doubts in your mind. You feel hopeless. And after you just hear the gloom enough, you, you just incorporate it into your life. That, that's a real problem. That's a source of discouragement. So be careful that you don't buy into the, the, the doomsday words. Be careful that you don't, you don't put God away and say, you know, God is for church and God is when we have a Bible study, but he's not relevant in real life. I mean, he can't, he can't work in my boss's life, can he? He can't work this marriage out, can he? He can't work out this relationship. I mean, you can, you can say you believe in God and yet live like a practical atheist. And that's what they were, that's what they were doing. So be careful about the thoughts that you have. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says one of the key verses for every uh, problem that we have, and that is whatever things are true and good and uh, honest and words like that, he says, think on these things. The word think means dwell on it, meditate on it. In other words, be careful that you don't dwell on the wrong things, negative thoughts. He's talking in the context there about worry, and worry and discouragement are sisters. You know that. They're very close sisters. They love each other, and they want their way. They want to worm their way into your life. So the source of discouragement, number one, is exhaustion and listening to negative, defeated kind of talk. Because when you're tired, it's a lot easier to buy that kind of talk, buy into that talk. And Satan will send people your way who will just bring you down. So you get in the word and you see that God is not dead. God is on the throne and uh, and you'll deal with that. So what did Nehemiah do? Well, there's a solution to discouragement. And this is the, these are the key things. Verse 13. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed uh, places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. The first thing that Nehemiah did was bring families together. That's a great thing. Brought them together. He posted guards at the most vulnerable places, the, the low part of the wall where people could climb over easily. Then he armed each family with weapons, stationed them together, fathers, mothers, children. Now, why was this so helpful? Because it turned their attention away from themselves and, and uh, to their common enemy, from negative, defeated thoughts to preservation. He, in other words, he rallied the people together around a common enemy. That's very important. That's a great principle. Mark this well. When you are discouraged, the best place for you is to be with God's people in the house of God or in a home Bible study. It's the best place for you to be. You want to be with your spiritual family because you want to say you want to be able to share freely and say, we have an enemy. I'm scared. I'm going through this struggle. And you want people to be transparent and share that with you. A home Bible study is ideal for that. That's why we need to have some home, more home Bible studies at Lakeside. So we can talk and, and be honest, transparent, share our battles. You need to be united with fellow believers. But what often happens when we're discouraged, we, we leave the church. We abandon the church. We wallow in our own self-pity and our own, our own problems. And you need other believers more than ever, but you don't often take it. You don't often take it. I could not begin to count the number of times I've seen that happen. The last thing you should do when going through a trial is stay at home from your church or small group. Only they can give you what you need most. Thanks for listening. Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude this lesson from the life of Nehemiah on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his expository or Verse by Verse messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by our listeners. 
Here is Pastor Steve to tell you more about how you can help if God is moving you in that direction. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support verse by verse with their prayers and financial gifts. There was a man who uh, was in touch with us and said he uh, had come to faith in Christ as a result of the verse-by-verse series that we did on Romans and what it means to be justified by faith. We're trying to have lives changed by the teaching of the Word of God. We think there's no substitute for that. If you've been blessed through verse-by-verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. Drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 337 Thanks, Pastor Steve. To learn more about this ministry, download this or any previous lesson, or to find out more about giving, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We also offer CDs and cassettes with entire messages. To get one for yourself, call us at 727-239-0306. If you get the answering machine, just leave your name and a daytime phone number, and we will return your call. That's 727-239-0306. Some years ago, the Presbyterian Advance had a story about Adoniram Judson, missionary to what was then called Burma. Judson was lying in a foul jail with 32 pounds of chains fastened to his ankles. Another prisoner sneered at him. Now what do you think of the prospects of converting the heathen, Dr. Judson? He instantly replied, The prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. When we go through the dark places of life, being with fellow Christians will brighten our day. So will remembering God's promises and His greatness. When we pray in our small group, we write down not only our requests, but when and how God met our need. It is a great encouragement to go back over those prayer requests and see how God has moved in the past, especially when we experience times when He is moving invisibly. Pastor Steve will conclude this lesson from Nehemiah next time on Verse.